Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello and welcome to This One Thing. I'm Carrie Kenyon Dern and I am so grateful that you are here with us today. I want to thank you, dear Melina Puente, for coming back for week two of what will be a four-week series in the book of Philippians. So last week we were in chapter one, verse six. We're going to dive into chapter two, verse three today. And thank you for being here, Melina. It's wonderful to see you again. It's great to be back. So I'm going to go ahead and read our verse, again, Philippians 2, verse 3. But before I do that, I just want to remind all of us a little bit of the context that we talked about last week. Paul is writing this book of Philippians to the church at Philippi. This is a church that was going through persecution. They were experiencing hardship and suffering. Most importantly to me, something that is so significant for me, Melina, as I read this book, is remembering that Paul was writing this from a prison cell. So for me, every time I read every verse in this book, that is just a, a reminder that I carry with me because for me personally, It gives every word such weight, such depth, Mm -hmm. such importance. Sometimes I think we want to just brush people off that speak Christianese. And and what Christianese means to me is you're just quoting scripture, but there's no depth or meaning to that passage for you. Paul is the antithesis of Christianese. You know, he's writing words that are very hard, I would say, for me to apply to my life. And compared to being in a prison cell, I've got it really easy. I don't know about you, but I feel like yes. I've got it pretty easy. <laughs> and and our verse this week is one of those verses where I'm convicted and I, and I say, Lord, this is a hard one for me. How in the world did you empower Paul to write this in the middle of being in prison? So he's in a jail cell in Rome, writing to the church in Philippians, and he is in love with these people. These are his dear friends. Mm -hmm. He's writing to his dear friends saying, don't fall prey to the Judaizers who are trying to convince you that you need something other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to zero in on chapter two, verse three, but the context of this verse is is very important as always because in chapter two paul is really focusing the first 10 to 10 to 11 verses on having the attitude of jesus christ so i kind of would like to read the two verses right before our verse of the week just so we can really hear his heart so in philippians chapter 2 starting in verse 1 he says is there any encouragement from belonging to christ is there any comfort from his love any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Now, our verse of the week, verse three says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Now, again, he's writing this from a jail cell. So basically what he's saying is, I'm in a jail cell, but that's not what's most important. What's most important, dear reader, dear member of the church at Philippi, is you and what you're going through. Because this is what it looks like to have the mindset, the attitude of Christ is to 
prefer others, esteem others, position others as greater than ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, wow, this is convicting for me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have a hard week and it's like, I I don't want to care about anybody else's hardship in my flesh. But my spirit says, like Jesus, you must esteem, prefer, position others above yourself. So, Melina, I'm going to let you go first on this one. No pressure. What is the truth that you pull out of, specifically verse 3, but really this first chunk yeah. of Philippians chapter 2? What is the truth for you? I, I mean, it's pretty big red neon lights for me. It's it's not about you, Melina. Mm. It's not about you. And the attitude of Christ was something that when I accepted the Lord um, late in my life, it was my late 20s, and I got to spend... Uh, I got a job teaching junior high, and the three things that kind of refined that process for me were you have the power of life and death in your tongue. So I had to choose to speak well, speak life over the kids that are in my class, that it's not about me, so that every every day I'd go in and I had to focus mm-hmm. on those kids in front of me. It wasn't about how I was feeling that day or anything. And then the last one was I didn't need to be right. And so I was able to be in their presence, experience their angst, their frustrations, uh, whatever that was, and just be present. And so, I mean, it took 11 years, but, you know, (laughs) it was was quite a training ground for Mm -hmm. this understanding, specifically, that humble place that it's not about you, Melina, and that's what's true. Mm-hmm. The truth is, it, it isn't about me. And Paul makes that really clear and kind of hits it home for all of us that are sitting in a comfortable room, in a comfortable chair, mm-hmm. not in prison. Mm-hmm. It's it's still not about you. Mm-hmm. That's the hard-hitting truth for me that, mm-hmm. as you said, isn't easy, but mm-hmm. it, it is what's true. Mm-hmm. But you're saying you basically had an 11-year learning process on this specific truth. And so it's easier now than it was before you went through that 11-year period. And I would say observing your life so closely as one of my dearest friends, this is not something I observe you to struggle with. This is something I observe myself to struggle with. (laughs) But I think Paul is basically saying I've had lots of practice. So now I can do this from a jail cell. And that's what you're saying. Yeah. We don't ever, this side of heaven, get to the point where applying scripture is easy, but it is very much like a muscle that we work out that grows stronger and we're more likely and we more quickly respond like Jesus when we allow ourselves to be refined, Mm. when we allow ourselves to grow through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to make sure our listeners are encouraged. You're not saying, oh, now I can do it and it's easy. You're saying that muscle spiritually has been strengthened. And so now I can more quickly choose to defer to others, put others in a position over myself, think highly of others and care about what they're going through, even when I'm having a hard time. Not that it's easy, not that your flesh doesn't still want to say, but what about me? Exactly. But you're well, you're well practiced in yes. it. Yes, I love that. I love that truth. And I love that idea that this doesn't just come to us magically. I think sometimes we get discouraged because I talk to a lot of people that believe once they accept Jesus and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, things should just come easily and naturally. But we're still fighting our flesh. Yeah. And Paul was still fighting his flesh. I can't think for a moment that he was, you know, loving the fact that he's in a stinky, cold 
jail cell. Like that, his flesh would not have loved that. His spirit, like we talked about last week, was excited because his spirit was saying, look at how God is using what my flesh would call unfortunate. So this isn't about it being easy in our flesh. It's about our spirit becoming stronger than our flesh. Mm -hmm. That's what I hear Paul saying. So the truth for me is, again, in the context, I I have to keep going in the same chapter. I want to read two more verses on the other side Mm -hmm. of our verse of the week. So verses four and five say this, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. So really in verses one through five now, having read them all, the truth is if you want to look like Jesus, if you want to know if your life looks like Jesus, look at your ability to put the needs and the interest of others before your own. Yeah. That is what humility looks like. And humility is what Christ likeness looks like. How do we know that? Because Jesus himself says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, learn of me because I am humble and I am gentle. So Jesus is inviting us in Matthew. If you want to look like me, here's how you can do that. Mm-hmm. You can be humble and you can be gentle. And that's what Paul is saying here. If you want to have the attitude of Christ, if you want to look like Jesus to this world, Worry less about what you say and what you do and worry more about how you position people in your heart. Because if people and their needs are more important to you than your own, oh, that's going to come out in your actions. Mm-hmm. Whatever's in your heart is going to naturally come out in the words you speak and the things you choose. And Melina, if I think I'm more important than you, you're going to know because it's going to come out in how I treat you. Yeah. I love... George Mueller was an old, old school evangelist, a German evangelist. And I love that his definition was of humility was it's insight into one's own insignificance. Mm. Humility is insight into my own insignificance. Now, that doesn't mean that you're superior to me. That doesn't mean that I believe that I'm nothing and you're to be highly esteemed because I have no worth or value. What it means is that I know that you are worthy as a daughter or a son of the most high God, that you are worthy of preferential treatment. I am showing you how Jesus loves you by preferring you over my wants and needs and desires. So it's not an insecure place for me saying, oh, I'm worth nothing and everybody's better than me. That's not what this passage is saying. It's saying like Jesus, even though you've got a lot going on, Carrie, or even though you've got a lot going on, Melina, you need to esteem others and what they're walking through as more important than what you're walking through. Now, I get this tested a lot as a counselor. I had an emotional week this last week because my precious mama, who I love so much, ended up in the ER and I was honestly just kind of a wreck and I got to practice putting others' needs above my own, not just my husband, not just my friends, but my clients, other people that had needs, other people that had stories they wanted to share with me. I got to practice it even though my heart was hurting and I felt like I was wrestling with something that was so, so important. The Holy Spirit would say, but look to the needs of your husband, Carrie. Look to what's important to him, what he's struggling with. 
Look to the needs of your friends. Look to the needs of your clients. Look to others because, Carrie, that's how you work out how I love them. You learn how I love you by how you allow me to love others through you. Amen. So that is the truth that we all get to apply to our lives. And so now the choice feels pretty cut and dry here. It's, it's, it's kind of inherent in the verse, but go ahead. What is the choice that you have pulled out and that you want us to make this week? Yeah. And I agree the, the, two, the verses above our key verse talking about agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, one mind, one purpose to me speaks unity. And the choice as I was praying through this uh, verse was, are your actions, Melina, inspiring unity? Mm-hmm. Are you able to inspire a oneness with whether it's a group of people you're with, um, honestly, within yourself, just you and the Lord, are you in that space? So am I inspiring unity? Mm-hmm. Can I live my life in such a way that as verse 13, he says, for God working in you, again, there's that in you, working in you, giving you the desire and the power mm-hmm. to do what pleases him. And wow. So it is that resting in that truth as well. But the choice is it's in me to be able to operate in the humility and the wholehearted oneness that he's asking us to be unified in. Yeah. And that's such an important distinction because oftentimes we believe the lie that we don't have it in the tank. I don't have what you need, Melina. I've got my own stuff going on. I'm too tired. I'm too hurt. I'm too whatever, fill in the blank. And what you're sharing is an important reminder because we need to ask him to help us. We need to remember to say, Holy Spirit, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you are alive inside of me. I need you to help me right now. I need you to help me love this person. I need you to help me make this meal that I feel too tired to make or clean this poopy diaper that I feel too tired to change, you know, for the, for the young mamas out there, or I need you to help me be willing to take my neighbor to the doctor. Cause I agreed to do that last week. And I don't feel like I have it right now, whatever it is that he's calling us to do to show, not tell, to show others that we are preferring them as Jesus set out that example for us to follow. If we're going to have the attitude in the mind of Christ, let's make it less about what we're saying and more about what we're doing. And we're showing others the love of Christ by preferring them. Your situation, your need is more important than what I'm going through, but we've got to ask him to help us. We are deceived if we think we're going to be able to pull this off all the time. Because the moment we have a hard day, the moment we're struggling, it's all out the window. Unless we know how to say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to need your help right now. My heart is hurting. Mm-hmm. I'm crying. I My heart is broken. I don't have it in the tape to love this person more than myself or care about this person more than myself. And I think this is really important in marriage. I've learned this. I've been with my husband. We're, we're about to celebrate five years together, four years of marriage. And I've learned that there are many days that... The things I want to do, I just feel like I don't have it in the tank. And the Holy Spirit says, then you probably should ask me to help you. Mm. Because I'm always available to help you love your husband, to help you love your friends, to help you love your family. You're not going to have it unless you're asking me for it. 
And along with that choice, Melina, one of the things that I really appreciated about our verse, Philippians 2, 3, is the simplicity of it. Because if you look at this verse, and I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation, you can see that he states what he wants us to do and then the antithesis. And what I mean by that is he says, don't be selfish. But if you skip to the second part of the verse, be humble. Look at, don't try to impress others. And then the second part of the verse again, think of others as better than yourself. So the choice is right there inherent in the verse. Carrie, don't be selfish, be humble. That's the choice. Don't be selfish, Carrie, be humble. The other choice right here, don't try to impress others. Think of others as better than yourself. And I like this because it's simple and it's childlike. And Jesus tells us to be like children. And it is powerful when we become childlike. Why? Because we get out of our heads and we don't try to know everything and figure out everything ourselves. And we don't try to pray these big, eloquent, fancy prayers. It's basically like a little kid going, don't be selfish, be humble. Amen. Right? That's pretty simple. Don't be selfish. I can apply that to this conversation I'm having with you right now. Am I being selfish or am I being humble? Am I saying, Holy Spirit, teach me something through Melina because I certainly don't know everything. And I can take that attitude of don't be selfish, be humble into every conversation, every meeting, every encounter that I have. Yesterday, I had a powerful opportunity to practice this because I was really pressed for time. But my husband and I had some things in our garage that we wanted to donate and I had posted them and kind of put it out there looking for some people in need that might benefit from some of the things that we wanted to donate. And I was just flooded with people saying we have a need, we've lost everything. One message in particular the Lord really highlighted for my spirit. And it was a woman that had recently gone through a divorce and lost everything. And she came by to look at what, what I had to offer. And when she saw it, she was insisting on paying me. And I said, I don't know where you're at with God, but I need you to know that God loves you. And she just started sobbing, just standing there sobbing. And I got to show her the love of God. You know how I did that, Melina? By listening to her. Now, inside, I was freaking out because I had an appointment. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to be late. I can't. I don't have time to listen. I, I'm going to be late for my appointment. But she stood there in my garage. I'd never met her before. Had no idea what this person was. I met through an, a neighborhood app. And she's standing there telling me her story. And what she needed more than the furniture was someone to care, Amen. someone to listen. Yes. And in that moment... I got so emotional. I'm just standing there crying with her. And I was like, it doesn't matter what I say. To be Jesus to her right now, to show her that she matters is I need to let her, I need to let her talk. I need to show her that she matters because I have a minute to listen to her. And she didn't know I didn't have a minute. (laughs) I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to supernaturally deal with the clock situation right now because I don't have time to listen. But he told me to plant my feet, shut my trap and listen. And that woman must have thanked me 50 times and then followed up with a bunch of messages. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I just kept telling her, it's from God. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. He sees you. He sees what you're going through. It wasn't about the furniture. It wasn't because I, oh, hey, I'm a Bible preacher. Let me download you some material and you're going to know everything you need to know to walk through the situation. No, it was because I listened. I stood there. 
and I listen to her share her story. So that's what I want us to choose, myself included. I really truly believe that I made that choice to prefer that woman over my schedule because I've been meditating on this verse. And Melina, would you pray for me that I would keep doing that? And I'm going to pray for you that you would do that. And I'm going to pray for all of us that in the coming week that we would practice treating others preferentially, that they matter. And what you're going through, Melina, matters more than what I'm walking through to me. And I have time to listen and I have time to care and I have time to show up for you. Not because I'm awesome, but because I'm asking Jesus to help me. Because I recognize that I am filled with the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And because I am, in this moment, I can choose to not be selfish, but to be humble. I can choose in this moment to not try to impress you, but that I can actually think that you are better than I am. Not that you're superior, but that according to this passage, This is how we reflect the mind and the attitude and the heart of Jesus Christ to a lost and broken and crippled world that desperately needs a savior. Melina, next week we're going to come back and we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I cannot wait. I don't have to invite you. I already have and you said yes. So let's do it next week. Sound good? Yes. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are asking us through this passage to do something that we cannot possibly do without you. Not all of us have had 11 years to practice this muscle like Melina, but I thank you that even Melina, after focusing and practicing this for 11 years, still has to ask you for help. Our flesh is strong, and I thank you, Jesus, that you have come and you have made a way for us to be in relationship with the Father. And I, Father, I thank you for Jesus I thank you for your sacrifice and I thank you for filling us with the same power that raised him from the dead so that we can choose in this coming week to be humble and to put aside selfishness. And we can choose in this coming week to not try to impress other people, but that we can literally walk around viewing others as more important and better than ourselves because that is what Jesus did when he walked this earth. As your son, as a king, he walked this earth And this is exactly what he modeled. And for us to be like Jesus means this is what we've got to model too. And again, we cannot do this without you. Would you transform us, mold us, and shape us into men and women that are more like your son, Jesus Christ, through applying this passage to our life in the coming week. And may you get all of the glory and all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.